Greetings, Alpha Seekers. Welcome to Nugent Ventures. And, um, you know, I'm such a podcast expert that I started another podcast. And so, <laughs> so this one, Nugent Ventures, is actually doing better than that one. Uh, because so far that one has zero listens. So that one is for my writing enterprise. Terrific, enter, uh, terrific writing, I should say. Which business is picking up there, you know? It's amazing. I keep getting interviews for jobs now that I've positioned myself as a writer. So, I wish I'd done that like four years ago. But anyway, you know, all's well that ends well. So, uh, you know, I'm putting a website up and I decided to do a podcast for that, which so far nobody has listened to. So if you want to be the first, feel free, uh, knowing my listeners as I do. Uh, which is a pleasure, but not a challenge, because there's so few of us, or you. Uh, you know, the few, the proud, the the New Gen Ventures podcast audience. So uh, probably most of you won't find that very interesting. But, you know, I know some of you are involved with businesses, and uh, so from that perspective, might be worth listening to. So I think if you, first of all, if you want a link to that, let me know. But secondly, I think if you search on this anchor thing, you can find it. I don't know. It's also, I think, on Spotify, if you're into that. But I think most people just listen to this when I send them a link. So anyway, I'll be trying to goose that up a little bit. But anyway, today's topic is, uh, first of all, something from the Wall Street Journal. Uh, Now, I, very unprofitably, engage in uh, dialogue with people whose views differ from mine. I certainly don't make any money doing that, and I've actually, you know, probably lost money. I think in one case, one of my clients fired me because of my political views. So that's not good, but uh, it happens. So anyway, um, but I try to figure out the motivation of people who disagree with me. First of all, you know, I could be wrong. It has happened before. So I am often wrong and always in doubt, unlike some people who are often wrong but never in doubt. I mean, I've changed my mind about a lot of things over the years. So so I like to figure out, you know, could I be wrong, which is many times true, and, you know, I change my views when circumstances change or when I, when I realize that I've been under the wrong impression. I, I am a seeker of truth. That's what it says on my profile on Facebook. People don't read that. They don't believe it. But I try not to be doctrinaire and ideological. I'm more of the pragmatic type. So I read with interest, there's a fellow named Andy Kessler who is a occasional op-ed or columnist type of writer in the Wall Street Journal. He wrote something uh, today, or yesterday, I guess, about, uh, you know, nine theories about why progressives think the way they do. And he, of course, thinks that they're dead wrong. So, um, I'll just read you some excerpts. Go ahead and try to tax the unrelated uh, 
gains, unrealized gains, stock gains of billionaires, uh, which is a wealth tax of questionable constitutionality, which I think they ended up dropping. Uh, where attacks the rich dressed the gala ball at the Met, like AOC did, expand the idea of infrastructure to include social giveaways, free stuff for all. But what is your motivation, progressive, he asks rhetorically. Uh, now, he says they must know the massive wealth redistribution and public spending uh, crushes the economy if they've ever studied the failures of uh, LBJ's Great Society or FDR's New Deal. Now, I don't think that's true. I mean, I have an ongoing debate with a guy I went to high school with, and he's a former state's attorney, and he grew up on the east side, went to, obviously to Carmel, and yet he is like a raving Bernie Sanders uh, progressive social justice warrior. And he's a lawyer, you know, so he's he was on the speech team in, in high school. So, you know, he's a worthy intellectual sparring partner. And uh, that's certainly not true in his case. I mean, these these people believe that, you know, had it not been for the evil Republicans and had FDR and, and LBJ and now Joe Biden been free to realize their vision of great society, New Deal, uh, build back better, I guess, which isn't exactly inspiring, but uh, that everything would be hunky-dory. Now, so first of all, I think that premise is wrong. I mean, the, I think those programs were at least as harmful as helpful. But nonetheless, you know, and I say that as a person who is now collecting Social Security, which I did pay into, and uh, is on Medicare, and I can tell you, being on Medicare is nice. But, you know, I still think that a lot of these programs do more harm than good. So, anyway, but they do not agree with that, first of all. And uh, they invoke Europe as an economic model, knowing full well that the EU, uh, the U.S. outstrips uh all European countries in economic uh, output per capita outputs 15% higher than Germany, higher than France. And they will bring up the Scandinavian countries a lot. And, you know, Denmark, for example, says that it's a capitalist free market country with a robust social safety net. And, you know, you have to pay some attention to that. I mean... Conservatives bring up Venezuela and Cuba and the USSR and Nicaragua. <laughs> the list goes on, North Korea. Um, and one of the classic cases is China. You know, under the communist uh, system, they were building steel mills in their backyard under the Great Leap Forward. And now they're, they're almost a peer once they decided that uh, to be rich is glorious. You know, so I... There are some countries where no matter what kind of system they use, they'd probably do okay. And uh, there are some unique characteristics of the Scandinavian uh, peoples that make it more effective there. But be that as it may, I don't think that uh, 
conservatives think Europe is an economic failure. I just don't. And then he brings up Elizabeth Warren. You know, she likes to be the smartest person in the room. And so he brings up nine possibilities as to assuming that they know their policies are are intellectually and economically and morally bankrupt, which I don't think they do, but anyway. Uh, There's the shakedown theory, which is that you threaten private industry. Ring the bell, this is also called. Uh, You threaten nationalization, socialization, and then you get industry to give money to your campaign. Some people do that, but I don't. that's fallen out of fashion these days. They're trying to rely on individual contributions. Then there's the noblesse oblige theory, that the privileged should use the government to improve the lives of the less privileged. Uh, now, the free market counter to that is that, you know, 537 elected politicians can never do as good a job as billions of people around the world giving price signals, and I believe that. Love of mankind, uh, which is, you know, I think some, if not many, liberals, progressives, you know, are on the road to hell paved with good intentions. They really do think that, you know, they're trying to assuage their guilt to a certain extent. And there's one I'll throw in here that he doesn't really throw in, which is the let them eat cake motivation. You know, if you're in a good position in this society, the last thing you want is for the masses to rise up and take everything you have, which happens. So therefore, you have a enlightened self-interest in keeping the masses uh, from boiling over. And the way to do that is to make sure that they are less miserable than they are now at least not starving to death, at least not homeless, at least not lacking in health care. So, and then there's another, which is that it is very stimulative for people to have money and uh, that they will then spend on your business. And then there's another one, which is that if you want to reduce crime, the more people have, the less likely, I mean, you do get desperate when you're broke. I know that from first-hand experience. So if everybody was able to hopefully earn a living, but in any event have a living, that didn't require them to, you know, go out and do the, uh, you know, steal a loaf of bread thing. I'm trying to remember the Broadway play about that, but I can't. Getting old, folks. So, uh... Now, there's a population bomb theory. Uh, Bernie Sanders and Jeffrey Sachs apparently want to limit population growth, and we've been down that road with the population bomb, Paul Ehrlich. Uh, That's not a good idea, you know? I mean, the population will grow if you leave it alone. And, in fact, you've got population deflation and many of the advanced countries, which is a whole other story. Uh, Let's see. There's power lust, um, and that's a bit of hubris and arrogance. So just to cut to the chase here, um, 
the bottom line is that uh, one of his buddies who spent a lot of time in Washington and knows Elizabeth Warren pretty well is that the resentment is that she thinks she's smarter than all these people who make all sorts of money, and she takes out her resentment on them by um, trying to take their money and thus their power and keep it to herself because she knows better. So, hubris explains a lot of it. But my thinking is that, you know, uh, if you're going to have a free market, you're going to have winners and losers. And if you try to regulate that, then you no longer have a free market. So, now we move on to some stuff from the Chicago Tribune. There's an article in here about the new chancellor. Is it the chancellor? President. She's the president. Rebecca Blank. Now, you may know that there was a fellow named Shapiro there who got himself in all sorts of trouble. And it's kind of like the 60s now. They go attack your house and everything else. The causes are different because there's no war to end and there's no draft to dodge. Um, but if you read this, it is bizarre. And number one, it certainly makes me want to avoid college campuses. And if I had a, a, a kid that was college age, I think I would try to send them to certainly a private school. But, but Northwestern is a private school. Uh, or, you know, just keep them out of college entirely. So here's somebody in the student government. And those of you who have been to college, which I think is probably everybody, know that the student government is hardly representative of the knuckleheads <laughs> that go to the college. You know. <laughs> so here's somebody from the student government who says, I was hoping for a president who would make Northwestern a leader in social and environmental justice, who would uphold indigenous sovereignty and futures for the indigenous and our lands and waters that support indigenous thriving. Nikki McDade, who does not sound like uh, an indigenous person, sounds Irish. But then again, I don't sound indigenous either, but I am one-sixteenth. So she's a doctoral student. So, you know, I'm all for that. You know, if they want to give us our land back, I will be the first one to line up. Now, I'm one-sixteenth, so, you know, you got to be one-eighth, like to join a tribe or something. But I got to work on that, you know. I could probably... Budget a little. And, uh, you know, Pocahontas did it, Elizabeth Warren. It's good to be the Indians now, you know, cowboys and Indians. You never wanted to play the Indian, but now it's, the cowboys were in trouble. Uh, let's see. Here's another. This is another student. Yeah, this is another student who says uh, she had three criteria weave equity and justice initiatives into every, every decision. You know, what kind of toilets are we going to get? Uh, should we have hand towels? Well, there you go. There's one. Uh, 
you know, who should we play in the next football game? Well, you could avoid the Indian names, you know. Stanford, by the way, used to be the Indians, and the Cleveland Indians just took the Indians out, and now they're the Cleveland, uh, I forget what. And then there's the Washington football team. Now, the Blackhawks have got to be next. Just the Hawks, I think. Or maybe the Blacks, you know, that capital B. So, uh, she wanted somebody, oh yeah, social, you know, social equity and justice. Take Northwestern to the next level academically. Now, I thought they were already at the top, but, you know. And then prioritize the relationship between the university and the surrounding community. Now, Northwestern just happens to be in Evanston, and there are parts of Evanston that could use some help. But I don't know that that's their obligation by any means. That's, you know, just because they plop their land there. Like, USC gets a lot of heat to help the local community, but I don't know if that's their job. Maybe in their interest, but there's nothing wrong with them. Marquette did the same thing, I guess. Uh, Some students who attended UW said it wasn't fair to credit Blank with they've had some achievements. Uh, you don't have to pay tuition if your family makes less than sixty grand a year. So that's the Bucky Bucky's tuition <laughs> promise, as in Bucky Badger. Uh, let's see, Brooke Evans, who graduated from UW, experienced housing and financial instability. Well. <laughs> Well, isn't that too bad? I remember experiencing a lot of financial instability in college and housing instability. One of our listeners will remember our first uh, exile from the house accommodations that had like a billion cockroaches. They used to like perform like the Ohio State Band. They'd spell stuff out. It was bad. Bad. So, uh, Evans said she and other student leaders fought to improve financial aid policies, and it was hard to convince them that homeless students exist. That's interesting. And there's more social workers per capita in Madison than there are anywhere else, because there's not that many poor people, right? They don't want to come to Chicago because you get hurt. Now, she says, I didn't experience someone who valued what I've gone through or what I was saying. That's how I felt. And I don't want anyone to feel that way. So today, nobody can feel bad. I mean, you know, it's not just a question of whether things are fair or not fair. If I feel bad, that is verboten, you know, in the German. Well, get over it, in my opinion. Now, according to a statement uh, by the BIPOC Student Coalition, and that, for those of you who aren't good with these acronyms, is black, indigenous, that's me, and people of color. So those who are not black but are of color. Um, as well as the Philippine Ex-American Student Organization. Now, what that means is you don't go Filipino, Filipina. The X 
gender neutralizes it, guys. So when they spell women now, it's W-O-M-Y-N because there's a men and women and it's like, all right. Grievances among marginalized student communities run from her refusal to discuss topics she refers to as non-starters to dismissal of any conversations around divestment, which is like don't invest in anything that has a Jewish name, lack of commitment toward racial justice and equity politics. One instance they cited pointed to uh, a controversy about a statue of Abraham Lincoln. Multiple campus groups called for its removal due to Lincoln's involvement in the largest mass execution in U.S. history of Dakota Native Americans. Now, that's a subject near and dear to my indigenous heart, at least the one-sixteenth of it that is indigenous. But Abraham Lincoln, you know, freed the slaves, right? So you're going to cancel Abraham Lincoln. This is the land of Lincoln, yeah, Lincoln Memorial going to go? Okay, what's the world we live in here? And here's here's another one from uh, one of the students. For me, that was my number one criteria. Prioritize diversity and equity in every initiative. Uh I was looking for someone who doesn't see justice as like a switch we just turn on and off. No, it needs to be involved in everything. Well, <clears throat> so everything is political. And where have we heard that before? Marxism, Soviet Union. And that's where this stuff all comes from, kids. Anyway. Now, here's an article by Clarence Page, who is a black capital B person, but I, I like Clarence. I respect him. I read his stuff. Um, and he's talking about the January 6th folks, and there's a cartoon in the Tribune about the uh, the shaman, uh, that guy. That's when I decided I wasn't really going to be a Republican because I can't be in the same guy, same room as that guy. He was the guy who had, like, the horns and the... You know, his face painted. <laughs> like, I'm not in that party with that guy. I'm, I'm just not. So I think he was the QAnon shaman or whatever. I mean, and now he's in jail. Now, uh, Clarence mentioned that five Capitol Police died. And if you support the police, then you need to support the Capitol Police, I think. But five died, four by suicide. And that still puzzles me why that would be... Why that would precipitate four suicides? Did they feel like they failed? Or did they feel, I don't know. That's, that is, that arouses my curiosity. Now, they're complaining about, uh, the shaman, for one, is complaining about jail conditions. And then there's a member of the Proud Boys who, he's got cancer apparently, and he's not getting care for that cancer. And the Washington Post asked, why no, was no attention paid to the problems when it was poor black and Hispanic people complaining about it? So this is like when you had this Gabby, whatever her name was, who was, apparently both of the happy couple are dead. 
because they found the guy's remains. It's like, why doesn't anybody cover, you know, if, if you cover anything, anything that arises related to somebody who is not of color, they're like, well, it's not fair that they get to complain or that they get attention. So I think that's getting pretty absurd. But that's the take in today's press, which is what kept me out of straight journalism. You know, so the the Saturday Night Live take, back on it was funny, it would be like, you know, we need to diversify the jail population. The jail population should reflect, uh, should look like America. So that means that at least half of the people in jail need to be white. So for every person of color, you need to go out and arrest some white person. But my question is, you know, I thought cash bail was a thing of the past. Um, so why are these people in jail pending trial? Are they a flight risk? Are they a present, clear and present danger to society? I mean, in this town, you can blow somebody's head off. And if you do get accused of anything, I mean, you would think at least the noise would be disturbing the peace. You just get your ankle bracelet, no cash bail. And it doesn't matter if it's a gun crime or anything. So I don't know why those... Nobody asked that question. Certainly not Clarence. Now, here's one for all you Marquette Evans scholars. Rampant online cheating is the dark side of remote learning. Cheating dogs. So there's this company called Chegg. I think I mentioned this the other day. I didn't know what it was. Now I know what it is. C-H-E-G-G. I mean, they're in the same business I was, writing papers for people, but they will also answer test questions. So this home school, you know, online stuff, people just go out and subscribe to this service, and they, they, they're cheating dogs. You can hire guys in India to answer your questions and get your A. There's Chegg and Course Hero, and then Grade Bs and EduBirdie, they'll write papers. Uh, I have to go... I may that may be a prospect for me. I don't know how much they pay. They're hiring the people overseas, so you know I can't compete with them. I may go hire them myself for my stuff, but uh, so that's going in the business file actually. But man, we would have we would all been straight A students, although we probably wouldn't have the money to pay these online fees. But that check went down fifty percent today. And the article, of course, is written by an academic who's like, we have to put a stop to this. So I'm thinking that may be bearish. Now, the uh, the consensus is that it dropped too far too fast. And then Avis today was up like 300% on this Tesla news, plus they reported a good quarter. So I wouldn't go near that right now, but... Because it's being driven by all this Wall Street bets and Robin Hood, you know, these little YOLO holder kids, hodlers, trading stonks. Now, uh, here's an interesting ad from an outfit called Ty, which is the old Beanie Baby. They don't mention Beanie Babies in the ad. But what they're saying is they're air shipping all their products and they're not raising prices. They don't sell to Amazon, Walmart, or Target. And I don't know why they want to make that point. But, uh, you know, 5 to $10 gifts. So 
what's interesting about that to me is with this whole supply chain crisis, people are starting to go airborne. My personal idea there is go back to airships, you know? You could take these airships and transport containers, especially of lightweight stuff, and take them right to where they need to go, all the way across the Pacific. That's kind of a Jack Lanigan better way idea, Jack being the founder of my Jack, which is here in the Chicago area. So anyway, uh, moving along, uh, credit. this is the financial your money section success, actually, they call it. But it's really about money. There's more to success than money. But using credit versus debit, the reason to use a credit card is the uh, liability limit is 50 bucks, in some cases zero. There are reasons not to use it. But if you pay the balance in full every month like I used to do, then you're good. Also an article here about a simple portfolio is all you need. For most of you, that is certainly the case. Um, you can use ETFs like the Vanguard Total stock market, symbol VTSMX, and then international. This is the Boggle portfolio. So you do total stock market, which is U.S., total international market, VGTSX, and total bond market, VBMFX. I would probably stay away from the bond part of that right now. As we've talked about, tips is my tip. Treasury indexed securities, inflation protected securities, I think, is what the IPS stands for. Terry Savage writes about Medicare open enrollment, which I have to look at because they changed my drug plan, and she makes the point that they shuffle that around every year. Uh, if you're in this already, you still need to pay attention. The main thing I recommend is stay away from Medicare Advantage because it's got a narrow panel, even though they pound the hell out of it in marketing, and she agrees with me. She recommends uh, Diane Omdahl, O-M-D-A-H-L, at www.65incorporated.com. She points out the most comprehensive plan now is Plan G, as in George. I have Plan F as in Frank, but I think they discontinued that. Uh, I have an agent uh, that I use to do this, but it's kind of goofy because she can only handle certain parts of it. Medicare.gov is where you go to see your drug plans and you can you know, have your prescriptions available and see which one's covered. But the other thing is you never know what you're going to need that you don't have now. You know, at some point... Nobody gets out of this alive. So So she says you only win in Medicare Advantage plans if you stay healthy. And I know a guy who basically died of Medicare Advantage. Now, he he was certainly culpable, but uh, he just didn't have as much.